Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts, Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank, Thank you, you, Wanda. Wanda. Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine. This is Samantha Graves. And this is Lonnie Diane Rich. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing. Yes, and today's episode will be on character, how to create them, how to care for them, and if you have to, how to kill them. <laughs> That's Sam's specialty. Most of us just make their lives miserable until they do what we want. Uh-huh. Uh, that's all later in the program, but first we have wine. Yes, we have wine, Sam. What are you drinking tonight? Tonight I'm having a bottle of wine in tribute to Lonnie. <gasps> in tribute to me? Yes, folks. I am having a Lindemans. Oh, yay! <laughs> My favorite brand of cheap Australian wine. The highly coveted 2005 Bin. 99 Ooh, Pinot Noir. 99. That's a good bit. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I have not had their Pinot Noir. It's, I it's love good. That. Actually, it's very good. It is, uh, the wine notes are medium bodied, soft and elegant, fresh red berry flavors, develop savory game characters. And I thought that was apropos <laughs> since we're doing characters. Game characters? What the? You know, just when I think that these people, these wine writers have gotten completely bizarre. That sounds like a, Mm -hmm. you know, RPG thing. Yeah. (laughs) Game characters. (laughs) The elf from Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons. What is that? What is that about? I don't know. I want a wine writer to call into the show. Really? Explain we have to get a wine writer I can't on the even, show. I, I can't even figure out this character. So, because you know anything about what's game characters. I don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> anyway, it says the finish is balanced with cleansing acidity and a touch of smoky oak. Oh. 14% alcohol, $8 a bottle. See, that's where Lindemann gets me every time. <laughs> The $8 a bottle. <laughs> I love those people. That's yeah. awesome. You know, I don't I don't recall seeing a Lindemann's Pinot. Although, usually when I get to the Lindemann's, I just grab the Chardonnay mm-hmm. and move on. But I'm going to have to get me a bottle of that. Well, you know, I love my Pinot Noir. So oh, I know. I saw too. it there. I said, oh, mm-hmm. I have to. I have to. And then I read the back and it said characters. I'm like, I'm Gotta there. Use it. That's awesome. You're on theme. It's I very know. thematic. I, I love it. <laughs> And what are you drinking? Well, tonight I'm drinking Robert Mondavi Private Collection 2004 Sauvignon Blanc. Ooh. <laughs> That's a mouthful. It is. It's a California wine, 13.5% alcohol. I can't remember what it costs. <laughs> but if I pay more than 10 bucks for a bottle of wine, I usually remember. So I think it's probably in the neighborhood of $10. <laughs> Anyway, um, it's really good. The wine notes are, um, our Sauvignon Blanc weaves crisp notes of citrus, pear, and melon with hints of lemon thyme and soft oak. Oh, you know, that's one of my favorite wines. It goes really well with uh, turkey, turkey dinner. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm actually really, now that the weather's getting warmer, Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying, like Chardonnay's always great. Mm -hmm. Chardonnay's always great. That's my stand, my standby wine. But, um, but the Sauvignon Blanc is so nice and light and lemony and it's really great for the summer. Mm -hmm. Well, and also I I like uh, white wines during the summer because they're cold. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. um, so you will be seeing me drink more white wines. During the summer, so be I look forward to that. <laughs> so now we know what we're drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to talk about who we love this week. Time for shout-outs and announcements. <laughs> and I have the first one. And this is actually an anti-shout-out to my, to my cat, Oliver, <laughs> who woke us up the other night at 3 a.m. Now, this is not unusual for Oliver. So when mm-hmm. he jumped on the bed and started playing, I wasn't worried. And then I heard the squeak. Squeak. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Not kidding. Not kidding. So about that time, I, I flew off the bed, and I'm screaming, there's something on the bed, and my husband flew off his side, which must have freaked out Oliver, because he probably lost the mouse oh, somewhere on the bed, bed, or in the bedroom, or somewhere, so I ripped all the blankets off the bed, and emptied out the pillowcases, and we never found it. Oh, no. So then I laid awake for like two hours thinking that a little mouse was going to come running across my face or something. The cat's sleeping. Oh, be- gosh. Yeah, the cat is sleeping between us. And I'm thinking, <laughs> cat's sound well, asleep. Exactly. Your natural mouse trap, though, is right there. 
<laughs> you know? I, I mean, guess. wouldn't the mouse would be crawling all over you and Oliver would be, like, snoring? Yeah. You know? I mean, I guess we were safe because he was there and he was, like, guarding us. But Aww, still. Oh, sweet. Oh, <sighs> poor Oliver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, poor Sam. <laughs> but I love Oliver. I know he's just trying to bring you a present. He was so, yeah, he was so proud of himself. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, I am sending a special shout-out this week Mm -hmm. to my friend Catherine Wade, known to me as Kate because I am special, Mm. who takes the time and energy to help us with our writer's improv last week. And then she felt bad because she accidentally gave us a heroine named Elrod. (laughs) So she emailed me. She's like, I can't believe I screwed up the podcast. And I was like, oh, my God. So, Katie, Pumpkin, Sweetheart, if you're out there, thank you so much for giving so generously of your time yes. to help us. Having a heroine named Elrod just made it that much better. I think it did. I, I think, think it, it did. did. We really had to work at that one. <laughs> we did. And we named her Ellie. It was okay in the end. <laughs> we gave her a boyfriend named Sue. It was good. So, big uh, hugs and a big shout out to Katie, who is awesome. Yes, she mm-hmm. is. Uh, We also wanted to tell you that we have a new notification service available on the website, which will automatically email you with a brief description and a link of the new podcast every time it goes up. Mm -hmm. So go to the website and sign up. The link is right under the big red buttons. (laughs) And I think that covers us for shout outs and announcements. We'll be back in a minute. At Will Write for Wine, we want to make it perfectly clear that we do not encourage excessive drinking. Excessive drinking is bad. It hurts you, it hurts your family, it totally screws with your ability to put lipstick on properly, and we do not encourage it. A little drinking, though? Now that's a different thing. After all, wine is good for you, right? It's good for your heart, it's good for your cholesterol, it's loaded with antioxidants. And sometimes, when you've had a really long, exhausting day, and your kids are making you nuts, and your husband has forgotten to take out the trash again, and you start to become what some people might consider a little edgy, in that case, having some wine is a kindness. A public service, even. So just remember that we here at Will Write for Wine do not encourage excessive drinking. We do, however, encourage you to not beat your husband over the head with a garbage can lid, and if it takes a little bit of wine to prevent that, then we suggest a light Chardonnay. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Will Write for Wine. Uh, We're tackling listener questions, and this week's question is from Lisa Gardenier from southeast pennsylvania thank you for writing us lisa Um, we hope you figured out the whole itunes issue you were having i know it's really tricky the first time you do it so we appreciate your uh tenacity yes exactly (laughs) your dedication to getting your will right for wine thank you it's kind of like i want my mtv yeah. <laughs> anyway, Lisa asks, uh, ever since discovering my own ability to write and dream up plots, yada, 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 I like her already, uh, mm-hmm. I've been swamped with characters in my head. See, isn't this great? She wrote to, she gave us a question right on theme this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in the two years since I've had my enlightenment, I have come <laughs> up with no less than 15 books. Wow. That sounds all well and good, but my mind can never center on just one. Every morning I have 20-some uh. fictional people at war in my head demanding attention. I've been flip-flopping back and forth from plot mm. to plot, but do you have any suggestions on focusing? Has this happened to either of you? Well, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it happens to a lot of writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I get I- ideas for books all the time. But um, but I have deadlines, so I have to control myself. <laughs> uh, what I usually do with these ideas is write them down. So I try to wring every bit of the idea into a Word document, then I save it, print it, put it in a file. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> I write it on a cocktail napkin and I find it under my bed five years later. <laughs> well, for example, the opening scenes for uh, Sight Unseen... Mm-hmm. And Unmasked were both workshop exercises that I did Mm -hmm. with our chapter. Now, and I saved them and I put them in a file because I really liked the scenes and the characters, but I didn't have books for them. However, years later, those characters did show up in in my books. Mm -hmm. So um, as for the focusing, though, I only write one book at a time, and that's the book that's due next, (laughs) (laughs) period. And since I'm the boss of my characters, you know, the other one's just going to have to wait in the wings. 
Well, I have to say, Lisa, if you're looking for suggestions on focusing (laughs) from me, it's kind of a blind leading the blind. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to tell those characters to shut the hell up. (laughs) It's really true. You pick one, you just start Mm -hmm. writing. When the other characters come to bug you, give them a cookie and tell them to wait their own damn turn. (laughs) Sometimes, Sometimes you have to play hardball with these characters. You may have to think of a big bodyguard goon character to intimidate Mm -hmm. all the other characters into sitting down and shutting up. (laughs) Because really, it's hard to concentrate with all that racket. (laughs) Was that helpful? Probably not. (laughs) Well, at least you have Sam's answer. That one makes more sense. Anyway, thanks for writing in. Yes, for everyone, thank you. For everyone else to get your question on the show, send them in to feedback at willwriteforwine.com. Now for this week's We Recommend. We recommend. I love this part. Each week we're going to recommend something, music books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever that we love mm-hmm. so we can share them with you. Sam, mm-hmm. what are you recommending this week? This week I'm recommending a CD called The Best of Chris Isaac. Oh, Chris Isaac. I haven't heard that name forever. I love Wicked Game C- Chris Isaac? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh I love God. the retro sound that he has, and I love that song. Oh, I've listened yeah. to that song, I don't know, just like a hundred mm-hmm. times. It really fits well with the book that I'm writing now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just keep listening to it over and over again. <laughs> but um, but I like all his, I like his music. I really oh, like yeah. it. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's so different from anything that's out there right now. Okay, and cool. it, and it's new, mm-hmm. you know, which which is funny because it sounds like it's like 1960s. Well, you know, if it's, it's got the that... best of Chris Isaac, he's got yeah. at least 15 years old. Because <laughs> well, I think Wicked Game are. was out when I was in high school. <laughs> Was it really? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I was in college, uh, I think. It wasn't uh, that long. It was like 15 years ago, I think. Really? Precisely. I didn't realize it. Well, it's okay. But, I mean, and, they're great songs. Yeah. You know? And it's got yeah. a great video. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really awesome. Really good video, too. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. yeah. Great. Yep. So that's what I'm recommending. Yeah. So what are you recommending? Well, this week, I'm recommending a classic, which mm-hmm. is The Princess Bride by <gasps> William Goldman. Oh. Now, many oh. of you are familiar with the movie, and the movie is yes, great. Don't get me wrong. Is. But this book... The book is genius, I'm telling you. I've read it probably ten times, and I have always loved it. I have actually lost my copy. I always lend them out. I bought, oh. I've bought probably 15 copies of this book over the years, and I keep lending them out to people. <laughs> and you know what? There's this thing about lending books. Don't lend books. You're either given the book or you're not given the book, because you never get a book back. It's just never yeah. going to happen. So yeah. anyway, um, I don't have a copy at, at the moment, but I was chatting mm-hmm. about this, this story with a friend earlier this week, and I've been aching to get another copy, so. So I just remembering what an incredible read it is makes me all happy inside. So I thought I'd share. If you're looking mm-hmm. for a fun read, uh, go pick up The Princess Bride by William Goldman. And I love that movie. Oh. It is, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I mean, it's like top five. Well, I know. So. And the quotes. Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh the quotes. they're wonderful. Death cannot stop true love. It can only delay it for a while. I mean, I all these things. Oh, that they have say, fun yeah. storming the castle. Oh yeah, That's my name classic. is Inigo Montoya. I mean, it just it, we could literally go on for days. I think we're gonna we're planning a movie uh, night on uh, the Princess Bride, aren't we? Don't we have that? In yes, the yes, we do. So uh, that movie, you will be hearing from us again about the Princess Bride. It's so good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll see you back here in a minute. A sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. A calculating killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight unseen by Samantha Graves, now available at a store near you. Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is We'll Write for Wine. Uh-huh. Tonight's episode is on character. Not your character, as in integrity and moral behavior and all that. We don't really care about that. No, what we're talking about is characters. How to create them, how to develop them, how to make them miserable. And, on occasion, how to kill them. 
<laughs> That's my specialty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you really only kill the bad guys, and they're usually asking for it. Well, sometimes, but not always. <laughs> not always. I, I can't give anything away for those listeners out there who haven't read my books yet, oh, but not yeah. always. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let's start with the beginning, creating mm-hmm. the character. Where do you start? Mm-hmm. Um, really, it depends on the character. Um, sometimes a name will come to me and I go from there, mm-hmm. although usually not. I think the only character I ever wrote who kept her original name was Wanda in Time Off for Good Behavior. <laughs> um, that always changes. Often it's a characteristic or a little detail that will come to me and I'll build from there. Um, for Portia and X and the Single Girl, it was her academic background that I started with, the way that hmm. she'd moved up north, let go of everything that she'd been raised to be, you know, a good southern girl. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that really, really interesting. So, of course, an academic girl had to have a Shakespearean name, mm-hmm. and then there she was. I had my character. Cool. Um, some characters, and I love these, they just walk in the book fully formed. <laughs> Usually for me, actually, I won't say usually, always for me, these people are the secondary characters. Yes. Um, you know, Finn and Babs from Maybe Baby and the Comeback Kiss were like this. I have a character in uh, Little Ray of Sunshine, Lily, mm-hmm. who walked in fully formed. She was just there, you know, which is awesome. Um, and uh, and they just, they just come in. I don't have to develop them at all. They just are crystal, crystal clear. And mm-hmm. it's absolutely wonderful. It is. So um, how about you, Sam? How do you create characters? Uh, spreadsheet? I'm guessing. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you're going to su- be surprised to learn that about about 80% of the time, my characters also show up fully formed. Oh, even yeah. main characters? Even, yeah, even main <laughs> characters. And, um, and, and generally... Uh, what happens is I, I know what they're thinking at the moment. When, mm-hmm. they, when they show up on the page, I know who they are, what they want, what they're thinking. Um, the tricky part becomes when I have to go back and figure out why they are the way they are <laughs> and what their underlying issues are. They're just doing all this stuff and you're like, what are you people thinking? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I do the spreadsheets because <laughs> the spreadsheets help I me figure out. I knew the spreadsheet out. was in there somewhere. <laughs> Well, the spreadsheets, especially the profiling ones, mm-hmm. kind of force me to figure out why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. So I need to kind of build, start building their backgrounds and what's going on and what's mm-hmm. driving them and, and, and all of that. And um, But like you, my secondary characters always show up 100% fully yeah. formed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I think maybe it's because I don't know, you know, I know them, mm-hmm. but I don't care about why they are the way they are. <laughs> they just are. They just are. And I don't <laughs> have to worry about it, which makes them really easy because they can be anything. I think you it's know? just there's less weight on a secondary character. Yes. Like the secondary characters, um, you know, I don't need for them to have goal, motivation, and conflict. I don't need, they just, they just need to be there. They just need mm-hmm. to be hanging out, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you don't have to coordinate them quite so much as you do with the main characters. So um, Right. But yeah, and, they're really and, fun. And actually, my, the most difficult characters I have are the villains. Oh well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, because not being a villainous type of person, <laughs> that's like all new territory for me. Yeah. So I really have to stretch, yeah, to make a mm-hmm. character believable, to make a villain believable. So yeah, see, all my um, villains are silly. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my villains are just silly. I, um, you know, I haven't because I don't write those kinds of books where, like, you know, I write romantic comedies, so the villains mm-hmm. are just, you know, these ridiculous characters that are just there, you know, creating trouble and having a good time. Right. But, um, but I mean, for your stuff, you go really deep into that psychology and figuring that. I out. do. Like yeah. in Sight yeah. Unseen, the I love the actuary. The yeah. evil actuary. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just and when he... you think an actuary can't make an interesting character. <laughs> so, um, which leads us to developing characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as I said, I have the characters in my head. I know everything about them at the moment the book opens. Mm-hmm. What I don't know is how they got there. Mm-hmm. And, and that is... The um, that's where the work really begins. Mm-hmm. I have to go back and find out why they feel guilty, why they want something so badly, or why they're working so hard to avoid something. Mm-hmm. And that part can take me um, most of the book to nail down. Mm-hmm. Um, and but sometimes somehow it always works. Mm-hmm. You know, but of yeah. course, this makes me crazy because I have to have faith in my abilities as a writer to figure it out. So, <laughs> I think you've got some karma with that. 
you're always challenged to just believe in yourself, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but the easiest characters are the ones who have a clear past that leads to this point mm-hmm. because their mm-hmm. flaws are evident. You oh. really know what it is that they're trying to overcome. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more complicated the character, the longer and harder it becomes to build that past. Mm-hmm. It's it's like world building except it's characters. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. it is it is almost a form of world building. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, developing a character is a really organic process. Um, mm-hmm. I can only really develop a character by writing them. Mm. <laughs> I can take a guess early on in the process about what my character might do or say in a given situation, but I have no idea no. <laughs> until the moment I'm in the scene with them. <laughs> and often they surprise me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for instance, the Christopher character in The Fortune Quilt started out married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to my heroine, somebody else. I wrote his opening scene with him married, and uh, Carly had this huge crush on him, uh, but it really wasn't working. Then mm. finally I was revising, and I realized that he wasn't married, but he had a female roommate. Mm. Um, and it wasn't that Carly was in love with him. He was in love with her. So uh, once I realized that about him, he became crystal clear to me because I totally mm-hmm. knew that guy and that friend relationship where, you know, it could have been more, but it just never happened. And then it gets right. complicated and the timing's off. And, you know, it's just such a complex little relationship. I loved that and all that mm-hmm. gray area there. And uh, that made the character really come alive for me. Um, Interesting. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and actually, Christopher is a really great example of how you can never make your characters do what you want. <laughs> Which is the next thing we're going to talk about is manipulating your characters and making them behave, which yes. they, they never bribing do. them and yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a really fine line between being crazy and believing mm-hmm. your characters are actually real people, uh, because that's definitely insane, and just yeah. recognizing that they do have free will. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you created the world, but it really belongs to them, and sometimes they do unexpected things in unexpected <laughs> ways, and uh, if you try to force them to do anything else, the magic fades and you're left with paper dolls in a cardboard house you know the trick is learning to go where they take you Um, Mm -hmm. in reality I think it's a a lot about a writer's instinct instinctively I think we know what needs to happen in order for the story to be engaging in order for the characters to really grow we know what the character needs to do and and what they have to go through intellectually that's where we screw it up (laughs) we overthink (laughs) it we worry about whether the story be marketable we worry about rules set down by someone else who we presume knows more about writing than we do Um, Mm. those are all things that exist outside the world of your story and a lot of that is really white noise you have Mm -hmm. to allow your characters to go where they're pushing to go because there is a reason and if something is truly wrong if something they do threatens the story you can always rein them back in Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes a character will need a scene written that never makes it in the book but by writing that scene um, I get insight into their character which allows me to see the layers there and uh, that's what's going to make the character interesting for me huh Huh. Mm-hmm. So what is this writing a scene that never makes it into the book thing that you speak of? <laughs> Have you never written a scene that isn't in the book? Not Has many. That never? Oh my God. I have 175 pages from the comeback kiss alone. No, I, at, in, in a book, I <laughs> might have deleted scenes. Yeah. I might have five or 10 pages. That, never, that don't make it into the book. That, you know, that never happened to me until Little Ray of Sunshine, which I just finished. Ah. That one. And you know why? Because I knew my turning points. Yes, With yes. everything else, I was just wildly guessing where the story might go. And mm-hmm. it's worked for me. Like, time off for good behavior. I was so stupid. <laughs> I sat down at 30 and I am like, a book. And I did. And it was really fun. It was easy. It was lovely. And uh-huh. I got sucked in. It's like your first, you know, crack rock is free, you know? Yeah. And you get sucked in and you're like, oh, this is a lot more trouble than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> this is like work. It is. It's like actual real work. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately for me, uh, having the character development match up with the scenes, Mm -hmm. I don't have a spreadsheet that works well for that. Believe it or not, I don't. (gasps) Shocking. Yeah, I know. And (laughs) so writing the scenes that Uh move the character's development along is, is a completely and utter frustratingly organic process for me. 
Ooh. Yes, I know the plot, and uh-huh. I know the characters. Uh-huh. But then there's some weird miracle that matches up the character and the scene, mm-hmm. and I don't really know how it works. I just know when it doesn't work. Yes. Exactly. So when I'm stuck, <laughs> yeah, so I, when I'm stuck on a scene, 99% of the time it is because I don't know why the scene is supposed to be there. Oh. I know that for the plot it needs to be there, uh-huh. but I don't know what the character development is for that scene. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which is very easy to say, oh, yeah, that's the problem, but then figuring it out, is yeah. is the oh, hard yeah. part yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um so next we're going to talk about flaws and likability and the balance <laughs> oh, that yeah. balance mm-hmm. now um this rarely occurs to me when i write and i don't usually get feedback about a character that a reader doesn't like mm-hmm. so probably because i tend to um be far more critical of my characters than my readers do oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> So if I like them, they're generally okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But flaws are a little tougher for me. I think it's I think it has more to do with uh, believability than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I never put in a three-legged, half-blind, mangy dog in a book. Oh, why not? Well, because it's <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a it's everybody obvious. loves a three-legged dog. <laughs> I know, but it's obvious ploy yes. for sympathy. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't you know I I might not buy it if I was a reader. You know, I mean, some yeah. writers can definitely pull that off, mm-hmm. but. But I, I don't think I could because I mm-hmm. wouldn't believe it, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. But making flaws um, that we all have and that mm-hmm. we can relate to, those are the ones I'm most interested in. Mm-hmm. Because so many times we are driven by our flaws. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, I'm afraid of heights for yeah. no good reason. <laughs> no, there's so a good I, reason. Heights yeah. are freaky. I'm with you on that. So basically, when we fly together, people. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get Xanax? I have Xanax. Did you get yes, Xanax? Yes. 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 We're all yes. We're all drugged out. So uh, so basically, I find ways to make sure that I never have to face that flaw. Right. But yeah. But taking mm-hmm. a character with those flaws and mm-hmm. putting them into a into a position where they're forced to deal with the flaw, mm-hmm. either by facing it directly or simply seeing it and accepting it, mm-hmm. is really the core of character development. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. absolutely. The heart mm-hmm. of the of the character is in their flaws. Although I yeah. see it kind of, I think a little bit differently than you do. But then again, <laughs> what we write is different. You know, when you were talking about how, you know, your characters are likable, your characters are also placed in these really, truly intense life or death situations where they have to, they have to really risk everything. I mean, literally mm-hmm. risk their lives yes. in order to... Um, to keep with their principles and you write such highly principled characters that I think it would be very hard for you to write an unlikable character. I think it'd be very difficult for you because you've got these, you've got these intense situations and you've always got these very, I mean, they they may have flaws, Mm -hmm. but they're very highly principled people. And I think that's something that people can really identify with. And it makes them extremely heroic in the very classic sense of that word, you know? Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Well, that's interesting you say that because I don't even, I don't even see that when I'm writing them. You know, I just, yeah, I think it's such a natural default setting for you is that you write these really intense, um, stories that just, you know, you're with this character and you're Mm -hmm. completely with them from the first page. I mean, I can't think of a single book of yours where I haven't been completely on the heroine side from minute one, which is what you have to do, you know? Yeah. Oh no, they're fabulous. Well, you know, I'm a huge fan. (laughs) Do I not make that clear? Have I been unclear about that? I've been withholding in my incredible love for your books. Um, But, you know, for me, it's a little different because I write romantic comedies and there's a little yes. kind of a, a looser sort of a situation there mm-hmm. where this character can uh, can play around. And, and basically, they don't they don't worry too much about getting shot at. No, they're not. So, and they're yeah. not really necessarily <laughs> fighting for principles either. I like highly flawed characters. That's really fun you for do, me. You so do. But I love your characters too, to make them Make them likable. They're incredible. They're so they're so uh, deep. And they're so fully fleshed out, and they're they're, they're wonderful. <laughs> they're so messed up. I love taking somebody who's so they're messed so, up. They're so like real people. So so unhinged. <laughs> I love the unhinged heroine. I just it, it makes me laugh. I love it. But um, whenever anybody says this, is probably why this is true. But whenever anybody says your character needs to be likable, it makes my ass twitch. <laughs> There's a difference between a person you'll root for in a story, which is what you need, and a person you, you know, want to have lunch and pedicures with, 
You know what I'm saying? Um, they're not necessarily the same thing. What you want in your protagonist is a character that is not necessarily likable, but mm-hmm. like Sam was saying, relatable. Yes. Um, there needs to be something in that character that people can really understand. I think for you, you've got that principled, everybody's got, well, most people, at least the people who read our books, because they're so cool, um, the, that principle, and they can really relate to somebody being that principled, and that really mm-hmm. carries them through. For me, it's vulnerability. Mm. That this person has some real serious vulnerability. Um, We all feel vulnerable in different areas of our lives, and we can all relate to that. Um, When you have a character who wants or needs something and can't get it, you've created a character with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And that character can be prickly or sarcastic or angry, and you're okay as long as that's... I mean, some people make angry characters because they think they're funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, angry characters aren't necessarily funny. Sometimes, you know, humor comes out of that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they have to be angry because that's who they are. Right. Um, you know, and that's part of their journey and part of part of what they're going through and what they've got to work through. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, your character's sarcasm, their anger are the flaws. And the flaws, how your character is mentally screwed up beyond all <laughs> recognition... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love. That's my favorite thing. The first, actually, one of now that I think about it, one of the first things I start with with a character is, is her flaws. Like I was saying with Portia, mm. I didn't even realize this until now. See, enlightenment. Ah. <laughs> um, but with Portia, I was talking about her academic background, how that was the most interesting thing to me. But what was interesting mm-hmm. about that was how she had denied who she was in order to get that. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So that's kind of one of her flaws is that she wasn't willing to accept who she really was. Mm. Um, and you know, here's the thing: no one likes a Pollyanna. Right. No one wants to root for a Pollyanna. No one will believe a Pollyanna character. Mm-hmm. Um, characters are most interesting in their imperfections. When you balance those imperfections with vulnerability, you've got character magic. Yep. Um, you know, for instance, say we got a snarky woman uh, mm-hmm. who goes into a drugstore, discovers that the one item she came there to get, a particular brand of toothpaste, is out of stock. So she gets really snippy with the clerk. I mean, are you going to root for that character even if she's funny? When she's being snippy? No, probably not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, let's tweak it a little bit. Woman Mm -hmm. comes home. She's loaded with grocery bags. She dumps them on the table, finds a note from her husband that he's left her for a secretary. I know it's cliche, but it's not important. Um, (laughs) So she starts unpacking the groceries, pretending everything's okay. She's pretending things are normal. Uh, But she forgot the toothpaste. So -hmm. she hops out to the drugstore, but the store is out of the brand that she always buys, the only one that both she and her husband could ever agree on. And Mm -hmm. suddenly the toothpaste means something. It represents something. And even when she snippy with the clerk you're going to feel for that character because the toothpaste speaks to her vulnerability right so um that's really the key and it's all part and parcel to the next part of our discussion which is Mm -hmm. making characters miserable Just like my favorite thing to do. It was really hard at first. It was really hard for me to do at first. And then once I got the hang of it, yeah. oh, it's glorious. It is. glorious. <laughs> I see a lot of writers just starting out, like I was, you know, and they've got this desire to, like, fix everything for their characters. Like, the character loses her grandmother's heirloom earring, but immediately it's found. You know, she gets a cancer <laughs> diagnosis, but they can cure it easily. It's just a few treatments, a little loss of hair, that's all. <laughs> um, you know, her husband leaves her, but then comes back the next day saying he's sorry and begging for forgiveness. Uh-huh. Um, some of these things, you know, might actually happen in real life, but they have no place in fiction. No. <laughs> fiction is about taking a character, ruining her life, continuing to make her miserable, <laughs> dumping a load of bad luck on her, and then making the drugstore run out of her favorite brand of toothpaste it's only when we torture our characters that we can see what they're really made of we can test their endurance we can challenge Mm -hmm. them to change and to grow because when you start out with a character who has these flaws they Mm -hmm. are not going to change people are comfortable with who they are until they are in a situation that forces them to change and this i think is a big part of the reason why we're even drawn to fiction in the first place because Mm -hmm. it helps us kind of work out those things in ourselves it's kind of it's a mental processing of of the human condition it's therapy yeah. it's it is it's cheap therapy it is it's fun <laughs> therapy and you so you need to put your characters really through the ringer and yes. challenge them to change and grow whether it's you know whether they're getting shot at or it's some silly romantic comedy you know mm-hmm. i mean you always have yeah. to do that to them that is the meat well, and the core of your story and if you have pity on your characters you won't find it and neither will your reader that's right exactly mm-hmm. you know it's it's easy to spend your life running from your problems mm-hmm. You never have to suffer. You never have to grow. You can stay exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But are you really living if you do that? Mm -hmm. And a book about someone who never faces their fears isn't going to sell. Yeah. (laughs) Ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we we want to read about those triumphs. Mm -hmm. 
they give us hope they make us cry and cheer and be part of that journey and and maybe a little part of us too yeah. mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so and i think this is what writing is all about. I think this is why writers write is for that triumph. Oh, absolutely. It's such you a know, high. because you mm-hmm. get to, it is. You get to relive it over mm-hmm. and over again. It's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. So um so that wraps up that segment. We're going to go on to <laughs> the best part. Killing your characters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, there's a quote I like to use, which is, when things get boring, it's time for somebody to die. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes this is true, but I don't go around killing characters for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. If someone, um, let's say a good guy, dies Mm -hmm. in my book during the course of the story, that death uh, has to drive a cataclysmic protagonist change Mm -hmm. it has to push my character to the edge Mm -hmm. it has to force them to make choices they would never otherwise make Mm -hmm. and it has to bring a powerful irreversible lesson to the book to the story Mm -hmm. now um and that's if you know that's of a good guy if that's somebody the character you know your protagonist really cares about mm-hmm, or represents exactly. something mm-hmm. that your character cares about mm-hmm. that's what i'm talking about it can't be all for nothing you, right. you're not just exactly. going to kill a good character no. that people are invested in that's right without that's right. having some kind of payoff exactly yes exactly because, because well, if you don't do your that, readers yeah. will hate you oh, seriously. <laughs> for one thing oh seriously and if you ever kill polly i'm telling you right now <laughs> we're going to have issues Polly is safe. And I would, oh yes, there are some characters that you that just sacred. can't. You I don't care never, how. Okay, you're yeah. never going to, you can hurt him. You scratch him up a little bit, get him shot at, that's fine. But you can never kill Polly. For those of you who have read Sight Unseen, you know who I'm talking about. Yes. And I'm sure you agree. <laughs> now, the bad guy, the villain is, is a different story. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the the bad guy dying at the end is usually so overdone that I, I actually try very hard not to do that. Yes. I'm mm-hmm. far more concerned with justice. Right. Mm-hmm. So if that means uh, incarceration, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Or if it means the villain has to live the rest of his or her life with failure, that mm-hmm. works too. Mm-hmm. But I spe- And I especially don't like to have the protagonist kill off the antagonist. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always hope that my characters are beyond that. Mm-hmm. So unless the antagonist presents a direct, immediate threat to life and limb, mm-hmm. my characters will always try to find another way. That, there's so, that principle. It is. And I highly think, you principled know, characters. Yes, mm-hmm. because killing someone is really serious. I never play around with that. So. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny because yeah. I'm actually thinking, like, I don't think I've, I've, oh, I killed off one character. I killed off George, <laughs> the abusive ex-husband George. in Time Off for yes. Good Behavior. Yes, but your protagonist had nothing to do with with oh, no. that. Oh well, no, my protagonist had no right. control over it. And I mean, exactly. but he was, um, and he died off the page. I mean, you never. Yes, you know. but it was a catalyst for her. It was a huge catalyst for her, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it was because it was the abusive ex-husband who kind of still defined her life because he kept threatening her, even though he never, you know, he was basically too lazy to kill her. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was calling her up drunk and like, I'm gonna kill you. You know, and when they lived in the same place and he didn't have to actually hunt her down, he used to treat her mm-hmm. really bad. But, you know, she left him and everything and he was just too lazy. He'd be like, yeah. I'll call you and threaten you, but I'm not doing yeah. anything else. So um, George was really, really fun to kill because I, mm-hmm. you know, kind of had a person in mind mm-hmm. who behaved in a similar manner yeah. <laughs> with one of my girlfriends. So it was fun to kill George. Sometimes you, you can have a character as a placeholder for somebody you'd really like to off in real life, but you don't Kinda do it like, because you're yeah, part like of civilized a death society. Wish. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Aside from that, though, you know what's really funny is that I never kill them. And, you know, what's really funny is that and Maybe Baby. You know, Maybe Baby uh-huh. is the silliest book ever written. I mean, really. <laughs> I love it. Silly, I love it, too. It's fun. And, but, I mean, there's nothing. You know, that's a, they're chasing a bird that smells like... <laughs> fruitcake around New York City. I mean, you know, it's just this crazy, you know, like 30 screwball comedy romp. And it was really, really fun to write. But I had this, um, this minor bad person in there mm-hmm. who was just stupid and selfish and, you know, and would do anything to get her money and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And she was, you know, a villain, but not like one of your villains that kills people. <laughs> I mean, she was just, you know, 
going to kill the bird, I think. I can't even remember. I wrote the damn book. But it was really funny because uh, my good friend Karen Rose, who is adorable, she writes uh, romantic suspense. Yes. Lovely, lovely woman. A heart yes, as dark heart. as burned charcoal when she comes to her writing. <laughs> She is like, she is the sweetest little cherub of a woman. If you've ever met Karen Rose, she wrote, um, you know, Don't Tell. And, mm-hmm. you know, count she's got a whole count to ten. Yeah. She's yeah. fabulous, fabulous romantic suspense writer. Really, really dark. She yeah. goes really dark. So she calls me up after Maybe Baby. She's like, I read it. I loved it. Why didn't you kill Vivian? <laughs> like, Vivian, Vivian ends up, the only thing Vivian wants is her money. She ends up completely broke. She has no money. She has nothing. Right? Uh-huh. So I figure that's justice, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, you, you should have killed her. And I'm like, isn't that a little bit too much? She's really into justice, Karen Rose. I would not cross Karen if I was you. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm really glad to be on her good side. I love her so much, too. She's so adorable. But she's trying, I'm trying to justify to her why I didn't kill this character. And she just would not have it. <laughs> Don't cross Karen Rose is the, yes. <laughs> is the final That's lesson right. from today's podcast. Looks are deceiving. <laughs> Don't judge a character sweetest, by their cover. Sweetest woman in the world writes mm-hmm. some really scary stuff. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that wraps it up. Okay, I think that does Uh, it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to take a break to drink some wine, and you guys hang on because we'll be right back. For 29 years, Carly McKay has known that her mother was never coming back. Her father was never going to file for divorce. Her little sister was never going to grow up, and that psychics were full of crap. This year, all that changes. From award-winning author Lonnie Diane Rich comes The Fortune Quilt, a heartwarming story about family, psychics, love, and quilts, and what happens when they all collide at once. Publishers Weekly calls The Fortune Quilt vibrant. Kirkus Reviews calls it beguiling. And you can call it yours if you just head on down to your local bookstore because it's available now. Pick up your copy today. Thanks for coming back. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. Don't start laughing! It's the D block. It happens yes. every time. And you know what? It's become its own self-fulfilling prophecy. It has. Now. We it had has. one bad D block like five <laughs> shows ago. And ever since then, whenever we see the D block, we're like, this is going to be awful. It's just not going to work. Are you ready? Yes. Want to win some great prizes? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude. Totally. Totally. <laughs> well, head on down to willwriteforwine.com and give us some feedback. We're looking for <laughs> listener questions, reader questions, writer questions, wine suggestions, if you're over 21, or just general commentary on the show. Mm-hmm. Each month, all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket. At the end of the wine bucket? Oh, at the end of the, at the, the, end end of of the, the wine bucket? <laughs> like at the end of the rainbow? Jeez. Somewhere at the end of the wine bucket? I hate this stupid block. <laughs> This is my favorite part of the show. You think so? Isn't it funny? <laughs> yes, because it always falls apart, and I love that, and it drives you insane. <laughs> and this is also the most heavily scripted part of the show. <laughs> it is. And it's still... You would think, oh, with it all God. written out in front of us, we'd be able to get it right, but no. I know. I know. And, and you know, people must think we, we're doing this at, min- like, midnight. It's 8 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock. <laughs> And we really haven't had that much to drink. I mean, that's the thing. Like, no. you know, when when you drink the way that we do, one glass of wine really is too much. Yeah. Got a I haven't even got halfway that. through my glass yet. This is just sad. And yet we still <sighs> screw up the, the D-block every single time. So All right. anyway, at the end Let- of the wine bucket... <laughs> At the end of the wine bucket. I was thinking, unless I was going to add something like, you know, all eligible entries go into the wine bucket, unless we're using it. <laughs> unless we're using it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, anyway, at the end of the month, yes. we'll, draw, we'll pull a name out of the wine bucket, if we're not using it, <laughs> to win a fabulous prize. Right. And yes. speaking of fabulous prizes, <laughs> our winner for the April giveaway of one Will Write for Wine Coaster and a brand new copy of Alison Krauss's CD, Lonely Run Both Runs Both Ways, is is Jennifer Duffy. Yay! Yay! Jennifer! Congratulations, Jennifer, Jennifer Duffy. Send your name and address to feedback at willwriteforwine.com and we will get those right out to you. Yes. On tap for May, 
We have mm-hmm. a signed copy of Unearthed by C.J. Barry, also mm-hmm. writing as Samantha Graves, and a signed copy of Maybe Baby by Lonnie Diane Rich, who writes as Lonnie Diane Rich. <laughs> I'm not a complicated person, folks. I'm really not. All you have to do to enter is send us email. Send us questions, mm-hmm. wine suggestions, trivia. Email us. We want to hear from you. Please email yeah. at uh, feedback at willwriteforwine.com, or you can come and comment on the website. We love that, too. Yes, we do. And we will announce the May winner at our June 1st show. Mm-hmm. So send in your comments and suggestions now. It's so easy. All you have to do is email. Yeah, it's so easy. You know, maybe, maybe our listeners are, like, shy. You think don't maybe be they're shy. shy? Yeah, don't be shy, because we're not. <laughs> are we intimidating, do you think? <laughs> Probably they're just like, you know, these girls are weird. I don't yeah. want to communicate. You know, I want them to know where true. to find me. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what it's about. <laughs> Well, up next, we have the weekly weigh-in. I love how we don't have we don't have actual sound effects. We're on a budget. We have to save all our money for wine. Yeah, exactly. Seriously, folks. Seriously, the money goes in the wine. Anyway, okay, here we are for the the weekly weigh-in. Uh-huh. Whatever, um, which is, has been, oh gosh, this was such a crazy week for me. There's so much stuff going on. But I did a proposal for a nonfiction book. We'll see Yay. We'll see what happens with that. I'm kind uh-huh. of excited about that. Good. And um, I also worked on another proposal where I had to rewrite two scenes from scratch because they were so bad. Um, so I'd say totally new material. I probably wrote about 15 pages. So pretty good. productive week for me. It was, it was very good considering I'm not actually writing a book at the moment. That was mm-hmm. a big week for me. So how about you? I actually ended up with 22 pages, which Very good. W- yeah, which is which keeps me on schedule. But I think yeah. I think I'm going to have to stop at this point. This is like where I get to mm-hmm. a point where I kind of lose a little bit of focus. Mm-hmm. So at this point now, I think I have to start from page one. Oh yeah, go through read the whole thing. Read the whole mm-hmm. thing. Do a little editing, which you know means a lot of editing, <laughs> and. <laughs> I hear you. And 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 kind of get back into the story again. So I think next yeah. week I'm I'm not going to have as many pages. So because you're going to kind of go through. Well, count the pages you read. That'll be cool. You'll be like 282 okay. pages. It'll be really awesome. <laughs> okay, that works for me. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, and up next it's time for this week's random etc. segment mm-hmm. where we just do whatever we feel like it because it's our show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And this week, we felt like doing inspirational writer quotes on character, which is kind of staying with the theme. Right. So, we're all, we're getting thematic. Yeah. Where we're doing yeah, everything. Like we're like tying everything in together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I, I like think it. is really like pretty it. cool. Yeah. So what do you have for this week? Well, I'll tell you, my quote comes from Stephen King's On Writing, which mm. if you're only going to have one book on writing, this should be it. Yep. <laughs> Actually, I, you know, for those of you who know me, I don't tend to be a fan of like how to write books because... Well, there's a lot of reasons. Some of them are good, though, and on writing is one of them. Um, So anyway, here's what Stephen King has to say about character. Um, It's also important to remember that no one is the bad guy or the best friend or the whore with the heart of gold in real life. In real life, we each of us regard ourselves as the main character, the protagonist, the big cheese. The camera's on us, baby. If you can bring this attitude into your fiction, you may not find it easier to create brilliant characters, but it will be harder for you to create the sort of one-dimensional dopes that populate so much (laughs) pop fiction. I love him. If you do not, if you're a writer and you're listening to this podcast and you do not have Stephen King's on writing, mm-hmm. just go do it because it is the best book about what it means to be a writer and how to improve your craft and what you need. I mean, it's just, it's fabulous, fabulous book. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I found my quote uh, on an internet search mm-hmm. today about uh, half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like doing the last minute. <laughs> Jeez. But I really like it, not only uh, for, you know, the on-character topic, but also, Mm -hmm. I think, for real people, too. So my quote is, out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls. The most massive characters are seared with scars. Isn't that fabulous? And that is by uh, Khalil. Khalil uh, Gibran. Yeah, Khalil mm-hmm. Gibran, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, who is from uh, 1883 to 1931. He is mm-hmm. a Lebanese-American uh, philosophical essayist, uh, novelist, 
a mystical poet and artist. Yeah, my mom used to read um, oh. a lot of his books, and she actually, um, we got married, my husband and I just, did, you know, completely you know, hijack your topic. Um, we, we got married in Vegas. We went and eloped and we weren't cause we didn't have any money. We didn't want to throw a big wedding. But before, um, before we left, my mother did this blessing ceremony, this wedding mm-hmm. blessing ceremony. It was really beautiful. And, um, and part of that she had read from, um, Khalil, Khalil Gibran. And, oh. uh, and it's really, he's very beautiful. He's very well, mystical kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm going to have to pick up some of his writings because I, think, yeah. I was just so amazed by this quote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it spoke to me on so many levels mm-hmm. because our scars so shape who we are and what mm-hmm. we do with our lives. And um, and I think this is what I try to apply to every character that I write. Oh, I think that you picking that quote that so perfectly sums up so much of what you do in your books, mm-hmm. which is really beautiful. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. I really love That's it. very nice. So. All right, well, that takes care of this week's random et cetera. And uh-huh. uh, I don't know about you, but it's time for a refill. So we <laughs> It always is after the deep block. <laughs> Back in a minute, folks. If a half-hour week of Lonnie and Sam isn't enough for you, we've got some suggestions. First, there's LiteraryChicks.com, where Lonnie blogs with fellow writers and hilarious gals Michelle Kuna, Whitney Gaskell, Eileen Rindall, Alicia Holiday, and Beth Kendrick. Every month brings new special guest authors and new giveaways, so stop on by. For more Sam, go ahead and click your way on over to SamanthaGraves.com. She's got the latest news, contests, and some great giveaways. There are also links to her blog, her MySpace page, which you got to go there, and the website for her alter ego, C.J. Barry, author of award-winning futuristic romances. So be sure to check out LiteraryChicks.com and SamanthaGraves.com for more from the girls. Well, it's time for Last Call here on Will Write for Wine. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Be sure to send your wine suggestions to us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com mm-hmm. or in the comments on the website. Send good wine suggestions to Sam. Me. Send cheap wine suggestions to me. Lonnie. <laughs> also, don't miss our cool Cafe Press store where you can find all sorts of fun Will Write for Wine merchandise with our beautiful wine stain logo. The link can be found on the right-hand column of the website at willwriteforwine.com. And don't forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley. We're yes. desperate for love. Um, you can review us at iTunes, too. That's good mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it makes us all happy. And it's good to make people happy. That's the kind of thing that will get you into heaven. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and next week we're going to interview each other. Oh, God. <laughs> Asking all sorts of hard-boiled grilling questions to get into each other's psyches. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I don't know who should be more afraid, them or us. <laughs> anyway, until next week, this is Lonnie. And this is Sam saying if you can't write for money, then write for why. Bye. Bye. <laughs> We'll Write for Wine is brought to you every week by Lonnie Diane Rich and Samantha Graves. Visit us at willwriteforwine.com where you can find show notes, news about what we're up to, and sign up for email notification when a new show is available. And don't forget to friend us on MySpace at myspace.com slash Music provided by the good folks at the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends. Go vote for us on Podcast Alley. Leave a glowing review on iTunes. Just send us a note. Really, we'll take pretty much anything. Because aside from wine and writing, we don't have a lot going on here at Will Write for Wine. And whenever you vote, leave a nice comment. We get very, very happy. So take a minute out of your day and make our whole week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on Will Write for Wine. It's not morning anymore, so I have a diet cola and another diet cola. But then I'm feeling fine and I'm feeling pretty sharp and I'm feeling pretty wired and I'm getting things done. But right about two, I get this little tiny migraine. It starts by my eyes and it moves to the back of my neck.